The following is from East Delta Baptist Church. For more information, visit us online at www.eastdeltabc.com. This morning, I want to talk about something that uh, you might hear the title and say, well, uh, this doesn't so much relate to me this morning, and I'm going I'm to tune out. But don't do that, because I think it's something that we all deal with in our spiritual life from time to time. I think probably there's a large number of people that would fall into this category most of the time. But I think for all Christians, we come and go in our, our spiritual walk, and we, we, we fall into sometimes having a hard heart. And today, if you would say, well, that's not me at all, I'm going to give you some examples of what a hard heart looks like. And we find that in Exodus, of course, and... Uh, we're going to cover three chapters. Can y'all believe that? <laughs> in uh, in a little over thirty minutes, we really are going to try to. Uh, but we're going to talk about consequences of a hard heart, and and we're going to start off in Exodus chapter seven. And before we go there, Proverbs twenty nine verse one, uh, it states a biblical principle, a truth that I think is important that we hear, he who is often rebuked and hardens his neck. In other words, he who hears the word of the Lord and maybe even comes to a conviction, or he who hears the word of the Lord and, and uh, realizes that uh, they need to be rededicated or they need to accept Christ or whatever the word of the Lord, however it comes to you, and hardens his neck, in other words, won't turn. Just, uh, uh, if you ever watch that ventriloquist, Jeff Dunham, you know, the old man that's got the frown permanently on his face, Walter, <laughs> and uh, uh, he, is, he is stiff-necked, you know, he's, he has a hard heart. But this principle states, he who is often rebuked and hardens his heart, will suddenly be destroyed and without remedy. And when we look at what takes place uh, in the heart of Pharaoh, we see that he hardened his heart, and all of a sudden, without remedy, there were some results of the hardening of his heart. Uh, this morning, as we think about those consequences of a hardened heart, the next three chapters are kind of telling the story of the hardening of Pharaoh's heart. That's what these three chapters do. And how God works out deliverance of his people. Of course, we're talking about the plagues this morning over in Exodus. And Pharaoh hardened his heart and resisted the authority of God over and over in his life. Now, somebody is usually quick to point out that the Bible says God hardened Pharaoh's heart. That's usually what you hear when we talk about this. But the truth is that we're told numerous times that Pharaoh hardened his heart. If we go back to Proverbs, it says, He who is often rebuked and hardens his heart. So over and over and over we're saw, we see in Scripture, and we're going to see that this morning, and I would encourage you, if you'd like to just read while I'm up here talking, then just start in chapter 7 or uh, right around 7 and read all the way through 10. Now, don't get into 11 because we're going to be there next week. But, but you can see that over and over and over, the Bible says, Pharaoh hardened his heart, Pharaoh hardened his heart, Pharaoh hardened his heart, 
And then after numerous times, God finally said, okay, you want a hard heart, you've got it. And that's where we see all of a sudden that God hardened Pharaoh's heart. And folks, this is important to know. If we reject God enough, eventually He's going to oblige us with a hardened heart. Eventually He's going to go through and say, okay, if that's what you want, that's what you're going to get. And when we look at this hardened heart, Pharaoh hardened his heart, he knowingly, willingly, sinfully decided that he would harden his heart. So don't get the ideal today that, hey, God's going to harden my heart. I'm not going to have an opportunity to be where God wants me. We need to realize that the hardening of the heart begins with us, and it begins with the decisions that we make. And here are some consequences of a hardened heart. And when we begin to look into these things, I don't want you to look around at other people or people that you know, not people in this service, but, but people that you know and, and say, well, they fit into that. I want you more to look inside and say, okay, have I ever been there? Am I there now? Or am I headed in that direction? So the first response of a hard heart is blatant disobedience. Just blatant disobedience. That's the, that's the first response of a hard heart. And, and we see that, and we remember Pharaoh's initial response. We talked about this a couple of weeks ago. Moses and Aaron went, and they stood before Pharaoh, and they told Pharaoh, God says, thus saith the Lord, in, in, uh, this is chapter 5, verse 1, the Lord says, the Lord God of Israel says, let my people go. Y'all remember his response? He said, who is this guy, this God that I don't even know, that he would tell me to let his people go? In other words, Pharaoh said, man, I don't even know this guy. You come up here, you, you, you say, the Lord God of Israel, I don't know who this guy is, so why would I even listen to him? Just blatant disobedience. He knew who God was, he had heard who God was, but he basically said, you know what, I'm not going to let the, uh, the, the people go, and who is this Je- Jehovah that thinks he can tell me, Pharaoh, the most powerful man in the world at that time, to do anything? Hey, I, I'm not going to follow. So Pharaoh not only increased the burden of, of the, the, the children of Israel, remember that? He, he increased their, their production. He told them that they'd have to go out. He, they would have to gather their own straw. They were going to have to do these own things. Their, their number would have to be the same. And then so, sooner or later, he said it's going to have to be even more. And if you remember, Moses went back to God. He was dejected. The people blamed Moses and Aaron that this even happened, said, you came down, you've made Pharaoh mad at us, now he's done all these things. And, and Moses went back to God, and God reassured Moses. In chapter 6, verse 1, he says to Moses, now you will see what I'll do to Pharaoh. So he tells Moses, hey, don't worry about it, Moses. Because of his blatant disobedience, you're going to see what's going to happen to Pharaoh. The hardening of his heart. So he tells him again in Exodus chapter 10, 6, verse 10, go back and say, you've got to let God's people go. You must let the people go. In Exodus chapter 7, verse 1 through 5, so the Lord said to Moses, see, I have made you as a God to Pharaoh and Aaron, your brother, as a prophet. So the Lord's talking to Moses. He said, you're going to go before Pharaoh as a God even. And Aaron will be your prophet, and you shall speak all that I have commanded you. And Aaron, your brother, shall tell Pharaoh 
to send the children of Israel, Israel out of the land. And I'll harden Pharaoh's heart and multiply my signs and my wonders in the land of Egypt. But Pharaoh will not heed you so that I may lay my hand on Egypt and bring my armies and my people and the children of Israel out of the land of Egypt by great judgments. Verse 5. And the Egyptians shall know that I am the Lord, and I will stretch out my hand on Egypt, and I'll bring the children out of, children of Israel from among them. So Pharaoh, uh, he doesn't heed what God's word is. Matter of fact, he ignores the signs that done at the hands of Moses. In chapter 7, verse 10, we read that, So Moses and Aaron went to Pharaoh, and they did so just as the Lord had commanded. And Aaron cast down his rod before Pharaoh and before his servants, and it became a what? It became a serpent. It became a snake. Y'all remember what happened in the wilderness not too awful long ago? He cast that rod down. It became a snake. And what did Moses do? He ran from it. Well, things are different now. He goes before Pharaoh. He casts this down, and it becomes a serpent. But you know what? Pharaoh wasn't impressed, was he? If you remember this story, if you read this, this, this little miracle that he just witnessed, he wasn't impressed by that. Matter of fact, he called the magicians together, and they did the same thing. They, they, took, a, they took their staff, and they cast it down, and it became a serpent. And we really don't know how that happened. We don't know if it was a, a sleight of hand, if it was some kind of magical trick where they swapped things out, or if it was some kind of satanic power which they were able to do this with. But, but it became a, a servant, and, and whatever they did, it seemed to satisfy this king. He, he, he just looked at them and said, well, that's nothing. I got, musicians. I got uh, magicians that can do that. I, we can do the same thing. Exodus seven fourteen says, So the Lord said to Moses, Pharaoh's heart is hard, and he refuses to let my people go. Pharaoh had, had resisted all the efforts of Moses and, and the children of Israel. He, he was not going to let them be released. He, he's heard the word, and now the issue is going to be forced. How many plagues were there? Does anybody remember? That's what I thought. There were ten. Who said ten? That's good. I, I thought seven too. I started studying this and I said, that's not right. Seven's the perfect number, you know, but, but it's not. There were, there were ten, it is the perfect number, but that, well, there were ten plagues. I just thought that'd be fun because I, I was completely wrong until I started studying this. But ten plagues... Uh, God puts on Pharaoh, and, and this process starts here, and Pharaoh's heart becomes increasingly harder. Now, I want you to just think about this. It says over in Revelation that during that time of tribulation that God's pouring judgment out upon this earth and upon the people, and it says their hearts get even harder and get even harder. You know, instead of as, as Pharaoh began to see God's judgment poured out on him. Instead of him stepping back and saying, you know what, I understand where this is headed. He just became more defiant. He became more angry. His heart even got harder. And, and the first judgment was against the waters of Egypt and the plague of the Nile where it turned to blood. That's chapter 7, 14 through 23. But in verse 23, we're told this, Pharaoh turned and went back into his house Neither was his heart moved by this. For seven days the water has turned into blood, 
And what did Pharaoh do? He stood there in the presence of Aaron and Moses, the presence of God. He saw this take place, and he just went, don't bother me none. I'll just go back in the house. I heard the word of the Lord. I saw what it does, but you know what? That doesn't bother me any. Blatant disregard. Here's the second response of a hard heart. Insincerity. Insincerity. The second plague that, that God brought upon Egypt was the plague of frogs. I'm not reading all this, but I'll tell you where they are. That's chapter 8, 1 through 15. But verse 6 says, Aaron stretched forth his hand, and the water of Egypt and frogs came up out of the waters and covered the land. You know why this was so significant? Because Egyptians worshipped frogs. That was one of the gods they worshipped. So they couldn't kill them. It would have been against their religion to kill their gods. So here we have this, this consequence of the, of the thing. The frogs come and they begin to loathe the very thing that they worshipped. I can't imagine. I think I've talked about this one other time. Certain times of the year... Uh, driving down our road, there's frogs everywhere. They're just across the road in front of you. And, and I try to miss them, you know. Uh, I don't know why, but we don't all miss them, if y'all hadn't noticed, if you live that way, because there are flat frogs here and there and everywhere else. But, but can you imagine just being covered with frogs? So what did Pharaoh do? He went and called his magicians again. What did they do? They made more frogs. Now, I imagine he would have wanted them to get rid of frogs, and they couldn't do that. But at the very least, they, they, they made more frogs. So, again, that, that satisfied Pharaoh. But, listen, this time he yielded to God verbally. Now, what did, what did we say this second point was? The hardened heart, there comes a time of insincerity. That's what we find in Pharaoh. His heart is hardened, so he yields to God, but he's not sincere. In Exodus 8, 8, we find that then Pharaoh called for Moses and Aaron, and he said, go to the Lord on my behalf, pray to the Lord on my behalf, entreat the Lord that he may take away the frogs from me and from my people, and I will let the people go that they may sacrifice to the Lord. So Pharaoh says, hey, Moses, we're sick of these frogs. You know, we can't get out of bed at night to go to the bathroom. We ain't stepping on a frog, you know. So go to God and say, God, take the frogs away, and I'll let, I'll let my people go. Verse 9 says, And Moses said to Pharaoh, Accept the honor of saying when I shall intercede for you, for your servants and for your people, to destroy the frogs from you and your houses, that they may return or that they may remain in the river only. So He's saying, all the frogs that are in your houses, in your streets, in the bed with you, in your refrigerator, all the frogs, am I stretching that? Not at all. I'm going to pray that they're going to go and they're just going to be frogs in the Nile. Look at verse 10. So he said, tomorrow, and he said, let it be according to your word that you may know that there is no one like the Lord our God. In Pharaoh's reactions, we see the mistakes that individuals still make today. We, we see things that when times get difficult, so many people put God off to the very last, don't they? I mean, there, there's a tough time, and, and we put submitting to God. What did Pharaoh say? Tomorrow. 
Oh, let's put it off a little bit. I need to, I need to hold on to them just a, a little bit longer. But look what chapter, verse 8, chapter 8, verse 15 says. But when Pharaoh saw there was relief, he hardened his heart and did not heed them as the Lord has said. Did you catch that? What happened? He went to Moses and said, I give up, Moses. Just pray to the Lord, ask forgiveness, send the frogs back. You know, do it tomorrow. I'm not that committed to this, but, but do it tomorrow. So Moses said, okay, it's going to be the way you requested it. He requested it. Pharaoh got up. The frogs were gone. He went, hmm, frogs are gone. I'm not letting them people go. That was exactly what he did. Think about that. It's no different today. When folks are faced with difficult situations, they give lip service to God. They say, okay, God, I, I, I want to do this. And, and they never intend on fulfilling their vow. They just come to God and they say, all right, God, if you'll make this happen, if you'll take this away, if you'll do this and that, then here's what I'll do. And they, they never follow through. Folks, that sounds so much just like us. I remember that story about that, that rich guy that got on a little twin-engine plane and was flying, and the, the pilot came on. They were just crammed into this little, this little uh, fuselage there, and the, the pilot came on and said, hey, we've lost an engine, but we're okay. We can fly on one. And, and uh, a few minutes later, they, they came on, and, and the pilot said, okay, we've lost another engine. But, but we're, we're going to be able to glide into a safe landing. And, and this lady sitting there next to this rich man, he began to pray, Lord, if you'll get me out of this, I'll give you half of everything I have. Lord, if you'll just get me through this, I'll give you half of everything I've got. Lord, if this if it's plane lands, I'll give you half of everything I've got. So as they came in and the plane landed and there was no incident, and they were walking there into the airport and the lady grabbed him and said, Sir, I was with you and I was sitting next to you and I was praying also. And, and you, you prayed to the Lord, Lord, if you get me out of this, I'm going to give you half of everything I've got. And the man said, Yeah, but I made a better deal with God. I told him if I ever get on a plane like that again, I'll give him everything I got. Isn't that how we do? I mean, isn't that what we do? God, if you'll get me through it this time, if you'll help me get over it this time, then here's what I'll do for you. And when God says, okay, I'm going to get you through it. I'm going to help you through this tough time. We say, okay, God, never mind. I got through it on my own. Never, never mind, God. Pharaoh said the frogs must have went away on their own. I don't, God didn't have anything to do with that. See, that, that, that heart of Pharaoh was insincere. Because of his hardness, the people had to endure yet another plague. We're going to go through these pretty quick. There was a the plague of gnats. When we think of gnats, we think of those little bugs that get around your face when you're sweating, you know, or, or whatever, and you're sitting outside trying to enjoy the evening. These gnats were really not that type of gnat. They were actually a, a Hebrew word that indicates some type of sand fly or flea that dug into your skin and caused itching and pain. What does that sound like for us in Delta County? Chiggers. That's what it sounds like, isn't it? It was something like our chiggers. Something that was, that was all over them and, and, and sores and, and itching and pain that, that came along with that. They were infested with those things. That's what the Egyptians were going through. 
The importance of this third plague is, uh, is the magicians were not able to do anything with that. So, so up to this point, the magicians have been able to match everything Moses and Aaron had done. At this point, they couldn't produce these gnats even though they tried. And listen to what they said. They came to Pharaoh in verse 19 and said, This is the finger of God. They said, hey, this, this is God's doing. There's nothing we can do with this, Pharaoh. This has got to be the finger of God. Now, something else important about this, from this plague on, according to verses 22 through 23, the land of Goshen, where the Israelites lived, were not affected from any of these plagues from this point on. It was like an invisible uh, shield of protection had been, had been built around them. So from this point on, the fourth plague, the plague of flies, that brought great swarms of, of flies and, and insects over the land. The, the Hebrew word merely says that it was swarms. And it really didn't talk about what kind of insects it was, but it was a swarm of some type of flies. And, and it was obvious it was something that wasn't normal to that area. So it infested the streets, the homes, the, the court of Pharaoh. It did all of these things. So the next response is Pharaoh decided to bargain with God. Do we ever do that? Do we ever bargain with God? So, you know, first his, his, his response was this, insincerity. Well, now he's had a couple more plagues. So he decides he wants to bargain with God. I mean, and Pharaoh's offers four different bargains. I want you to hear these real quick. The first bargain that he gave to God is serve God, but stay in Egypt. It says in verse 25, chapter 8, verse 25, Then Pharaoh called for Moses and Aaron and said, Go and sacrifice to your God in this land, in the land, the land that you're in. The same temptation is offered today. Be a Christian, but be in this world. Isn't that the temptation we have today? It's okay to be a Christian, but you need to be of the world. You need to be conformed by the world. Because we hear things about no absolutes today. We hear things about, hey, you can be a Christian, just keep it to yourself. You know, conform to the world. The problem with that is Romans 12, 1 and 2 says, I'm urging you, brother, to be by the mercies of God to present your bodies as a holy sacrifice, a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable God, which is your reasonable act of service. And listen, but do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. That's what Romans says. Pharaoh says, okay, God, I have a deal for you. I'm going to let your people go long enough just to go outside town here, have their sacrifice, remain in the world, conform to my rules, and then you can come back. That's the first sacrifice. That's the first bargaining tool. Second, chapter 8, verse 28. Don't fully commit yourself. That was the next bargaining tool that Pharaoh used. Don't fully commit yourself. So, 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 so having a little trouble this morning. So Pharaoh said, I will let you go that you may sacrifice to the Lord your God in the wilderness only. You can't go very far away. And oh, by the way, go ahead and pray for me. (laughs) Isn't that something? Isn't that something? Pharaoh said, you know, go ahead and go. 
But don't go all the way. Isn't that where we are today? Isn't that where Satan leads us today? Go ahead and go to church, and go ahead and worship, and go ahead and pray, but hey, don't go too far with this. Don't be that committed about it. You know, just, just kind of go through the motions. I want you to think about that. Leave your opinions here. That's basically what, what, what Pharaoh said. And, and keep your eyes on Egypt. I want you just to ask yourself about that. This is the response of a heart that's becoming hard. If we get in a hard heart, you know, sometimes we, we may want to serve God and kind of serve God and stay in the world. That, that's the process of hardening of a heart. We may want to serve God, but, but we don't want to be fully committed. We just want to be a little bit committed. That's the process of a hardening of a heart. Moses and Aaron says, no deal. Another plague. This time the plague was a plague upon the livestock. We're in chapter 9 now, verse 1 through 7. Result, almost all the livestock in in Egypt, all the livestock is wiped out. Now remember, during this time, the measure of someone's wealth was by by the livestock they had. So the livestock, they're, they're all affected, and the plague is getting worse. Then here's the next plague, a plague of boils, open running sores upon the people. Now these are just the Egyptians. Remember, the Israelites have had a, has a protection. So, so these boils, of course, the, uh, the, the false gods of Egypt, they're powerless against this god, so they have this this plague of, of bulls. Next we see the plague of storms. This is chapter 9, 13 through 35. It says in verse 18 and verse 24, it was the worst thunderstorm in Egypt's history. The worst there had ever been, this storm, this, this plague of storms that came and these hell storms that came and this fire falling from heaven that came. Then there were the plague of locusts. The locusts that came and devoured everything. You know what those locusts are? We think of locusts that, that sit in a tree and go, well, it was grasshoppers. That's what it was. It was just a locusts or, or grasshoppers, and they came and they destroyed crops and fields and grasses. Anything was there, trees, uh, any kind of uh, trees they would have used to get food. All of those things would have been destroyed by the plague of grasshoppers or the plague of, of locusts. But you know what? Pharaoh's still unmoved. He gives these deals to God. Here's the third thing that he says to God. Don't force your beliefs on us. Chapter 10, we're into verse, chapter 10, verse 11. Not so, Pharaoh says. Now go, you who are men, and serve the Lord, for this is what you desired, or this is what you ask of me. And they were driven out of Pharaoh's presence. You know what he said to them? If you go and read that, he said, Okay, Moses and Aaron, you can take your men. You can go to the wilderness and you can make your sacrifice, but you can't take the women and children. You've got to leave them here. You have to leave them in, in my presence. In other words, it's okay to go, but, but, but don't force it on the other people. I want you to think about this. In our society today, how often do we hear that? Oh, my children, they need to make their own minds up. Oh, one of these days, they'll be old enough to decide who they'll serve. 
Oh, my husband, oh, my wife, they, they don't, they don't want to be a part of this. I don't want to try to influence them. I don't want to step on their toes or hurt their feelings. I don't want to drive them away. And that's what Pharaoh said to Moses. Okay, you can go and you can take a few of these guys with you, but hey, you need to leave these other folks behind. We're not going to get everybody involved because not everybody wants to believe the way you believe. Moses and Aaron said, no, no deal. A new plague, the plague of darkness, chapter 10, 21 through 29, fell upon Egypt. It says in Scripture it was so dark that the darkness could be felt. I have a great illustration of that, but I don't have time. But I have told you about that. If you've ever been in a cavern, and I don't know that they even do this anymore, but they used to, ha- they used to turn the lights out while you were in the cavern. It is so dark that you can feel the darkness. If you've never done it, if you've never been there, go down I-35 and you can stop at Natural Bridge Caverns or you can stop at some other place there right out of Waco and, and you can go in there and they'll turn the lights out on you. And, and the darkness is unbelievable. The, the people had to, had to survive that. They had to live through that darkness. The last deal Pharaoh made, number four, then Pharaoh called to Moses and said, Go serve the Lord, only let your flocks and your herds be kept back. But I'll let your children go with you this time. I'll let your little ones go with you. What basically Pharaoh was saying is, Hey, you can go, but you don't need to commit everything. I'm not willing to, to commit everything I have. Is that us today? Oh, I can go, but you know what? I get so mad when they take up offering. Man, don't be talking about my finances. You can have everything else. You know what? I don't think that's even an issue anymore. For the most part, I don't think people are bothered that much when we pass the offering plate or when we take up a special offering for Easter. I don't think that bothers people anymore. You know what I think bothers people more today? Is their time. Oh, I'm committed. Jake, I gave today. You're not giving to me anyway. I, I don't have a clue. At any bad church that gives anything, I have not a clue who gives, who don't give. I don't even care. Because that has nothing to do with me. But you know what? We come to God and we say, God, I'm giving to you. God, I came to church Sunday morning. And you know what they did? They asked me to go serve as a counselor at some event in Paris. I don't have time for that. They asked me to come be a part of a ladies' Bible study. I don't have time for that. God, they had a, they had a men's retreat, but, but I don't have time for that. God, I've given you nearly everything, but, but let me have my time. And that's what the deal was with Pharaoh. He said, you can take everything, but you need to leave these important things here. And I think for us today, folks, it's our time that's causing our heart to become hard to the church is we feel like we can give a little bit of time to God an hour or two on Sunday and say, okay, that's all I have for you, God. I have other things more important. Speaking of time, I've got six minutes. I'm on my last point, number four. The fourth response of a hard heart is conviction without commitment. This morning, I, I may have said something, and, and not that I would say it, but the Holy Spirit begins to move within our hearts, and you say, you know what, I'm, I'm really guilty of that. And I'm, 
I'm really convicted about that, and, and I need to do better with that. But a hard heart, we have conviction without commitment. We're going to back up to chapter 9, 27 through 30 in verse 35. As a result of the plague of storms that we mentioned earlier, this is what happens, and this is Pharaoh's conviction, and this is how it came out. This is chapter 9, verse 27. And Pharaoh sent and called for Moses and Aaron, and he said to them, I have sinned this time. See, he was convicted. Moses, Aaron, I sinned. And I realized that the Lord is righteous. The Lord was right. And my people and I were wicked. Verse 28, go, entreat the Lord, pray for me. Intercede for me with the Lord, that there may be no more mighty thundering in hell. For I've had enough. This is it. And I will let you go, and you shall stay no longer. And Moses said to him, As soon as I have gone out of the city, I will spread my hands out to the Lord, and the thunder will cease, and there will be no more hell, that you may know that the earth is the Lord's. Verse 30. But as for you and your servants, I know that you still will not fear the Lord. See, Pharaoh was convicted, but he made no change. He realized, hey, I'm, I'm sinful before God. He realized that. He realized, hey, the Lord can change these things. The Lord can take away these things. Me and my people, we're wicked. I, I'm convicted of those things. But there was no change. Exodus chapter 9, 35 35 says, So the heart of Pharaoh was hard. Neither would he let the children of Israel grow as the Lord has spoken. You know what, folks? Sometimes we can come to a service, and I've been here before, and we can hear the words of the Lord, and the Holy Spirit can move within our hearts, and we can be convicted even to the point of tears. And we can think about where we are and where we need to be, and we can say, Oh, I just need to change those things. But you know what? Conviction without action is nothing. We can be convicted all day long. If you go and we talk about this at work, if there's a cup or a water spill or something in the floor, we, we said safety, somebody ought to pick that up, shouldn't we? And you can walk by that cup and look at it and, and have a feeling, you know what, I know I ought to pick that up. <laughs> I'm convicted about that. I know safety, it'll keep someone from slipping. I know it's danger to someone else. I ought to do it. But if we never do anything but come convicted about it, what have we done? We ain't done nothing. We just, we've just been convicted about it. When we can sin and get away with it, we can ignore God, it becomes convenient for us. But the Lord says this, we need to repent. Eventually, Pharaoh lost. We're going to talk about that next week. We're going to talk about the Passover next week. We could have talked about that last week. Egypt was in ruins. Pharaoh lost his kingdom. Egypt had been devastated. He even lost his son before he ever surrendered to God. 
Think about all that he lost because of a hard heart. Folks, it's not some story we just make up and read. This is in God's Word. And, and God gave Pharaoh an opportunity before any plagues, before any losses, to his kingdom, to his land, to his family. He said, here, let my people go. And he lost it all. I want, I want to ask you to bow your heads with me. I have one more scripture. What will it take for us? We say, well, Jake, we're here. Well, sometimes the choir gets preached to, too. The, the saints of God gets preached to, too. What will it take for us to surrender? If you see some evidences in these words and in Pharaoh's life that says, you know what, I'm, boy, I'm on the edge of a hardened heart. The Bible says this, Hebrews, 7, Hebrews 3, 7 and 8 says, Therefore, as Jake says, no, that's not what it says. Therefore, as the preacher says, no. Therefore, as your Sunday school teacher says, no. All right, therefore, as your spouse, no. Here's what the scripture says. Therefore, as the Holy Spirit says, Today, if you hear his voice, do not harden your heart as in the rebellion in the days of the trials in the wilderness. Day after day, Pharaoh heard the voice of the Lord and he hardened his heart. Today, as the Holy Spirit says, if you hear the word of the Lord, don't harden your heart. Father, I pray today, as we hear your word, as we respond to your word, Father, I pray that we wouldn't allow a hardening of our heart, but Father, it would be pliable it would be fertile ground for your word to take root. And Father, we know you have many blessings. Lord, I pray today that you would show me and that you would show your people areas of our life where we've hardened our heart in some place. Lord, I pray that we would know also that you offer a, a newness those who in Christ are a new creation, we have a, a, an opportunity to have a heart transplant. We have an opportunity to have some stents placed in there where those arteries have gotten a little hard and, and to open up that relationship with you. But, Father, it comes to us making a decision to come to the great physician, to lay ourselves before you, and to offer our hearts as obedient children. Lord, I pray today as the Holy Spirit moves, as the Holy Spirit says, today if we hear your voice, we'll not simply be convicted, but we'll take action. And I pray this in the name of Jesus. Amen.